So you and I have this tendency that when we're in need of help or support, when we want to ask someone for something to share their resources or, or share their time or their energy or their skills, there's this temptation to come up with all sorts of reasons for why they're going to say no to us before we even ask them. It's what you call making a decision for someone. Because you've decided what you think they will decide, you don't actually give them a chance to decide for themselves whether they'll help offer that support, offer that skill or resource. So when I worked in sales, I had this sales trainer who had a mantra, uh, you don't ask, you don't get. Uh, and he was a, a, an older guy, he'd been around uh, the company a long time, and he shared this story uh, of a church that was called the Crystal Cathedral. Does anybody remember the Crystal Cathedral? Okay, some of you who are more experienced in life, shall we say, uh, would, would remember the Crystal Cathedral. And if you're not familiar, the Crystal Cathedral was a church that was led by a guy named Robert Schuler. Robert Schuler had a, a television ministry back in the day called the Hour of Power, which is like an awesome name for a ministry, I think. Maybe we'll change our church services to that. I don't know. Yeah, right? So the, the Crystal Cathedral was this massive building. It was entirely made of glass, and it was it sat on this huge property. Uh, and at, at its heyday, the building could seat twenty three hundred people. And the story goes that when Robert Schuler started his ministry, they actually had their church services in a, at a drive-in movie theater, and they were ready to build a building. And so he went to this farmer who owned the plot of land that he wanted to build the Crystal Cathedral on. And this, this uh, farmer was actually the member of a Lutheran church. But he had he'd heard of Robert Schuler. he was impressed with Robert Schuler, and so Schuler comes to him and asks him uh, to either donate the land or give him a really, really good deal on it, uh, and the, the farmer said sure, and, and made sure that, that the land was transferred over to Robert Schuler. Well, when the pastor of the farmer's church, where he was a member, heard about this, the pastor went to the farmer and said, well, why didn't you give this land to us? And the farmer told his pastor, you didn't ask. You don't ask, you don't get. Ultimately, the reason we make decisions for people is that we don't like want to make them uncomfortable. Right? Like, there's this fear that, that the ask is going to provoke some kind of response from them that we're not going to like. So, we don't want to make them uncomfortable. We don't want to put them in a position uh, to have to tell us no because nobody likes to do that. We don't want them to judge us or resent us for having made the ask. We don't want to feel like we're being a burden since we, we think that they're just going to say no anyway. Why even? Put that on the line. The problem with doing this is that you run the risk of missing out on their yes. Because if you don't ask, you don't get. And, and you run the risk of missing out on the benefits uh, of, uh, that they would provide, but you also prevent them from receiving benefits as well as someone in the position to bless someone else. 
And sometimes we can even make decisions for God by not stepping beyond our comfort zones, by not praying bold prayers, by not making bold plans on behalf of that which we are passionate about or, or that our hearts have been broken over. And yet we have a God who wants to meet us in those bold prayers and in those bold plans so that through us, God can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So we're continuing our sermon series that we started uh, two weeks ago. I had to remember what day it was. Where we're looking at the different beyonds that God calls us as we follow Jesus into the life for which we were created. And any time we're called beyond our current reality, there's resistance, right? There's, sometimes there's fear or there's doubt or just we have our own comfort zone and we don't want to go beyond that because it's, it, it, it's uncomfortable to do so. We like our current reality and we don't want that to change. And yet God calls us beyond And not only is there a call on us as individuals, but also as a people who have gathered together as a family of faith in this congregation. God is calling us to go beyond together. And so our theme verse for this series is a promise that whatever the beyond is that God calls us to, God is with us in the beyond. And so let's read this verse together from Joshua chapter 1. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So our our story this morning from uh, the book of Nehemiah in in the Old Testament, it's, it's the story of a man who very easily could have remained in his comfort zone. Very easily, no one would have blamed him for doing so. And yet, driven by his faith in God and his passion for his community and for others, he made a difficult ask and then was rewarded for that courage. Nehemiah lived in a time after Jerusalem had been destroyed and the people had been taken into exile by the Babylonians, but they had been in exile for for decades and eventually they were allowed to return. And so there were these waves of returning into Jerusalem. The problem was that Jerusalem was surrounded by enemies. And at the end of our reading, you hear about a couple of them who opposed the goodwill of the people who were living in Jerusalem. And because the walls of the city had been destroyed, they had not been rebuilt yet, the people who were living in Jerusalem, returning to Jerusalem, Nehemiah's people were vulnerable And Nehemiah had ascended to a very prominent role in the Persian Empire. He was what was called the cupbearer to the king. And on a very practical level, his role was important because whenever the king was served food, whenever the king was served wine, Nehemiah would get the first bite to make sure that nobody was trying to poison the king. And if Nehemiah didn't keel over, then it was probably safe to eat or drink. But in that role, Nehemiah earned the trust of the king. He earned the ear of the king. He was one of the few people that the king really could trust and the king would actually 
listen to. Cupbearers would often have other important duties. They would be administrators, accountants. And it was a violent world that Nehemiah lived in. Kings were often targets of overthrow. And so there had to be this great deal of trust and value that was placed. So when the king sees Nehemiah that morning, he knows something is up with Nehemiah. Showing the signs of mourning and fasting and praying. This had been going on for months between the time that Nehemiah first heard of the condition of Jerusalem and this particular moment. About four months had gone by. And so when you know that when you go through a period of mourning, it takes a physical toll, right? Like you see people who've lost loved ones and after a while their face is sort of ashen and they look like they've lost weight and you can tell they've not been sleeping. And so there's this physical manifestation of the grief that they are experiencing. And so the king sees this. And that would have been a major violation, of the etiquette of the king's court because the king wanted everybody to be happy. He wanted everyone to, uh, to be excited and, and glad and, and cheerful. And so as soon as the king calls this out in Nehemiah, Nehemiah's got to be thinking, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm busted. So he says to the king, hey, hey, listen, no disrespect. You're awesome and I love you, but why wouldn't I be upset? My homeland and my heritage has been burned to the ground. I think a little sadness is in order. To which the king replies, well, what do you need? Now, don't miss the miraculousness of this moment. Because Nehemiah has just done something that a lot of people would not do. He demonstrates vulnerability with someone who is not his spouse, not a member of his family, and on top of that, someone who is in a position of power, and Nehemiah had no real way of knowing what the king would do with this information, how he would respond. Even though Nehemiah was a trusted advisor, maybe even a friend, he was still a slave. He was still the member of a defeated culture. He had no right to ask the king for anything. And every reason to make a decision for the king and hold back with any request for help and support. So Nehemiah has a decision to make of his own. He can play it off. He can say, you know what, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. There's nothing you can do. All the things that we say, right, when when people ask how we're doing and how they can help, even if there are very clear ways. So Nehemiah can do that, or he can go outside of his comfort zone in the ways that we often do not. Leverage the trust and the relational capital that he's built and invite the king into whatever it is that he's dealing with. And I love what Nehemiah does here. Watch this in in verse 4. I prayed to the God of heaven. Not only does Nehemiah place his plight in the hands of the king, he places his plight in the hands of God. And he asks the king to let him go and rebuild Jerusalem. 
He, he presses further and asks for help in the form of, of materials, wood from the king's forest, and, and workers to do the work, and soldiers to ensure his security as he goes from per, Persia to Jerusalem. Letters to the political leaders through whom, whose lands he would pass through on the way, vouching for Nehemiah and the work that he was going to do. You don't ask, you don't get. And the king grants all of Nehemiah's requests. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that breaks your heart? What need do you have that you cannot fulfill on your own, but that you have remained in your comfort zone rather than bringing it before God and before others? Because you don't ask, you don't get. Jesus says this another way in in Matthew chapter 7. Who among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for for fish? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? It pleases God when you bring your needs, your desires, your passions, and your problems before the throne of God. Now often God does not answer in the the way or the manner that you might expect or prefer. But God does open doors that you will not have known to even look for. God will bring you into relationships with people who can help you in ways that you would not have been able to predict and maybe even would make you a little bit uncomfortable. God can arrange for your circumstances to line up in your favor long before you even knew what you needed to ask for. And because God has wired us for community, for relationships, God desires for those needs that you have to be met, usually through other people. Which means not only do you have to go beyond your comfort zone to ask God, it means you have to go beyond your comfort zone to ask others or accept the help that's offered. What you may have previously decided they would not help with, now we lay that down and ask because if you don't ask, You don't get. And if there is any place in the world where you should be free to bring your needs, to bring your desires, to bring your passions, to bring your problems, if there's any place in the world where you should be free to do that, it's the church. This should be a place where people can come and find help and support And the great thing about King of Kings is that we already kind of do that intuitively. This place is filled with people wanting to help. You're all great at it, whether you realize it or not. 
it, someone in my position, in the role that I play, I have to ask for help all the time. 90% of what goes on here doesn't go on unless somebody else is doing it. And not once, when I have asked for help, has someone gotten mad at me for asking? Maybe if they did, they just didn't tell me. I guess that's possible. Not once has someone been offended. Sometimes I get the question, well, well, why me? Why are you asking me? But it comes from a place of a lack of belief on their part that they don't have the capacity to do the thing that I see in them, that they're able to do. Some, sometimes they're not sure that they can give what I'm, what I'm asking. And, and I try to communicate that, look, there's freedom to say no to this. But I'm not sure that I've ever asked for help from someone where the, the response has not been at least some form of gratitude for my asking and a fair consideration of the request, even if they come back and say, you know what, I just don't have the ability or the bandwidth for this. You already have it in you. You're already doing it in a lot of ways. And so that's why in in the visioning and strategic planning that we've been doing over the last few months, our second breakthrough objective is about being a place that is equipped to respond to the needs and desires and, and passions and problems of our community. It is a competency of ours that we exhibit intuitively, and so now we consider how might we might do it intentionally. And so our, our, our breakthrough objective, the second one, we introduced our first one last week, is this. At King of Kings, we are a welcoming community, invested in creating physical spaces free from the distraction of debt that serve North Oakland County in multiple ways. This is one of the directions that we're headed in. And there's two pieces here that are worth noting. The first is the value of this physical space, this building, this property that we have as an asset that is available to serve our community in whatever ways that we discern are needed. And that also means that not only do we need to discern how this building can be used the other six and a half days of the week, we're not gathering for worship, but there's also a discernment about who from within this body might help in that serving, and so many of you are already doing that. My hope is that when those means of service become clear, that you will continue to demonstrate the same willingness that you've always had. The second piece that's worth noting is the line free of the distraction of debt. And those of you who have been around for really any length of time are aware of our mortgage situation and the burden of that to call it a distraction to ministry is an understatement. And so our goal in the next few years is to do some serious work to address the the debt so that it's no longer a hindrance and you're going to you're going to hear a little bit more about one of the ways that that's already happening. But we're really about asking for help and responding to a need. That's that's what this goal is for. Because you don't ask, you don't get. And you may not always get what you ask for, but if you don't ask, God does not have the ability to give. Others do not have the ability 
to give. And God stands ready in response to prayers and requests to, to meet needs and to fulfill desires, to enliven passions and to solve problems. It pleases God when you ask God. And it pleases God to connect you with others who can help you, even if that means it drives you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So I invite you to stand. We're going to take a moment and reflect on a couple of questions, and then I'll close our sermon time in prayer. What need, desire, passion, or problem do you need God's help with? Who might you ask to help you in your next steps? So we'll consider that, and then I'll close this in prayer.